others, and I am pleased to welcome back to the 630 Chad Airwaves. Had a great chat with this gentleman earlier in the season and uh, have stayed in touch with him off and on since then. Former NHL referee Tim Peel checking in tonight. Tim, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm great, Reed, and, and I agree with you. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. We just had a great Mother's Day with my wife and two kids down at the Blues game today, so it's been a good day. Tell me about the, the Blues game. I got to see bits and pieces of it as I was getting ready for tonight. Didn't really get to follow the whole thing. Uh, no shortage of goals in that series uh, there either. How was it this afternoon? It was great. You know, obviously Minnesota, I think, uh, you know, Billy Guerin's done a tremendous job there in Minnesota. I think they, they, they're probably a year a year ahead of where they thought they would be. But I got to tell you, um, and it's not being biased, but when you think about this, you had uh, three blue defensemen out of the top seven defensemen out of the lineup today. And they had Santini Perunovic, who hasn't played in, in, since January, and um, and Callie Rosen in for Bortuzzo, um, um, uh, Nick Letty, and um, I'm losing my thought on the third one. And it, it, it's, it was a very impressive win for them because Perinko, uh, um, Perinko played, I think, 31 minutes and Falk played 32 minutes. Is that unbelievable? They were out literally every other shift. It was incredible. And, and how much time do you spend uh, watching the referees when you go to a game, or do you forget about that? And- a little bit, a little bit. It was funny because they had the blues, the blues, uh, or the the blues fans had the ref you suck chant going, and a couple people that were sitting around us knew what I did. And, you know, they're they're kind of you know laughing, and and uh, I, I find it funny. You know, it's uh, the, but the guys did a great job. Gordy Dwyer and Francois Saint Laurent, good referees. They did a good job today. Nobody can complain about the officiating today's game yeah good stuff well and f- yeah i mean that the <laughs> i know you and i talked before and i asked you some pretty pointed questions but also it, it is a tough job and in the playoffs the intensity and the physicality ramps up right and the officials i would assume i mean you you, you got to adjust to that you got to be aware like okay the, i might have called the game with 30 hits in the regular season there's going to be 90 tonight so how am i going to handle right. that Right, that's it's unbelievable, and and Tory Krug, sorry, because I lost my train of thought there. Tory Krug was that's okay. Who who's a top two defenseman, three defensemen on the team was out of the lineup today with for the Blues, so pretty impressive. But you're right, I I talked about that the other day with somebody else. Else, I said it's unbelievable how you know you have to give these athletes such a tremendous amount of of courage and applause because how they bring their game to another level during the playoffs is unbelievable guys that have never thrown a check a check like you just alluded to are throwing checks in the in the postseason it's it's unbelievable that's why the first round of the playoffs uh is the best round to watch you know i i love it how i'm excited to watch the edmonton game tonight you know well, yeah, it's going to be great, and it's been very physical. How, how did you prefer to handle some of the stuff after the whistle? And, you know, the, the, the one play I thought in the L.A. Edmonton series maybe could have been called, like Brandon Lemieux really cross-checked Barry after a whistle in, in a scrum uh-huh. once, and I was like, oh, man, I wonder if that should have been uh, enforced. But how, how did you prefer to handle the extracurricular stuff when you were in a playoff game? No, and I agree with you, Reed. That I, I think that would have been a good one to catch there. 
Um, Bill McCreary, who, as you know, uh, who I who I consider one of the top referees ever to ref in the NHL, uh, he would always say to me when I worked with him, and then when he became my boss, he goes, "The league hates scrums. I hate scrums." He goes, "When you take one person from each side and you go two and two and you play four and four, it doesn't deter them from having a scrum 45 seconds later." But if you take one person out of the scrum, and it may not even be the right guy, it doesn't matter. You have to set an example early in the game. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw Daryl Sutter's comments about after uh, Monday night where penalties were up 33%. Well, that's because it was the first night of the playoffs. Teams are trying to intimidate the other team. They're trying to send a message. Our guys did a great job in controlling the emotion and calling penalties and taking one guy out. So that's the way you have to control it. You you aren't going to control scrums if you just call a player from each side because that doesn't deter them. Yeah. Tim Peel joining us tonight on the Faceoff Show. I, I want to ask you about postseason selection because, as you know, Brownie and I do calls after the game. Sometimes, right. you know, fans aren't happy with a ref or, or, or a string <laughs> no. of officials. No. I, it's, I know it's hard to believe. But we say, you know, and, and, you know the, the league usually doesn't publicly criticize the ref. So we always say, look, if you, if you think a ref isn't doing a good job or having a good year, write his name down and remember that and see how many playoff games he does. How does the selection process work? How are you notified? Um, you know, how are the refs told when, how many playoff games they're doing, all that kind of stuff? Sure. So at the end of the year, we get an email. There's 34 refs in the NHL. They take 20 to the playoffs. So when the regular season is over, we get an email. We'll say the season's over on a Sunday, uh, Sunday night. Monday morning, we'll get an email saying these are the 20 guys selected to work the playoffs. The other 14 guys go home. So then you have 20 for the first round. Then you have a big drop-off going to the second round because you go from 20 to 12. So eight guys get cut after the first round. And some of it is, hey, listen, if you're a first-year guy, you know, I'll use a Jake Brink, for example. Jake, Jake Brink, for example, he's a first-year uh, uh, official in the NHL. I'm not in the NHL in the playoffs. He's been in the league for four or five, six years. And, but it's his first year in the playoffs. Is he going to move on to the second round? Well, you know what? If he's working really, really well, then he may. But chances are he'll probably be done after the first round because it's been a great experience for him to get some playoff experience and so on. And and basically, Stephen Walkham, the officiating managers that, that work for the league, Coley Campbell, they'll meet after the first round and say, say hey, who's working well? Who are the guys that are working well? Who are the guys that we can trust to put in the second round? Because fans might not understand that, but trust is a huge, huge factor when it comes to who you're going to put into the second round, the third round, and obviously the finals. You have to trust a referee that he is not going to make. Listen, we're going to miss calls. There's no question we're going to miss calls. It happens every game. Things are going to get missed. But the the one thing that the league really has a tough time with is that if you call a soft penalty and it results in a in a power play goal, and maybe it was in the first period, but maybe it was in the third period, and that team loses because of a soft call, you're going to be done. You're going to get sent home. Really? That black and white with one call, eh? That, that black and white. If you make, I, I, you know, I was rolling one year and I made a weak 
call against uh, Sodorov uh, in Colorado. Um, it was the second round, and I was working with Wes McCauley, and I made, made a weak uh, interference call, and I got sent home uh, a couple of days later. So, wow. yeah, our guys, like, people people don't think that our guys are accountable, and I understand that because, like you, you mentioned earlier, it, it's, you know, they don't, the NHL really doesn't make it public, um, but our guys are held very accountable. You know, there's been years where I've made some great calls and moved on, and there's been years where, I remember the worst that I ever had was in Nashville, and we're in overtime. And Ryan, you know how good David Perron is of chicken winging the stick. <laughs> you know when when someone's uh, checking him, David Perron is the best at putting his arm over the stick and then flipping back and making it look like he got hooked. He's he's incredible at it. Well, Ryan Kessler from Vancouver was very good at that too. And he got me one night in overtime, and I had had four or five games. I was working with Kelly Sutherland. We were banging games off. We were really on a roll. And I made a call in overtime. Shea Weber put the stick in, and Kessler, you know, put his arm put his arm down, and I bit on it. And uh, that, I think that was the last game I worked in the playoffs. So, wow. Well, I, I appreciate that insight because. It- you know, like I said, it, it, sometimes we don't realize what's happening behind the scenes, so I do appreciate that. Former NHL ref no. Tim Peel joining us. Okay, a couple more I want to throw at you. Uh, Jay Woodcroft has come up from the farm to coach the Oilers. He's done a heck of a job. Um, there was uh, a play late in the regular season. The Oilers got what they felt was a soft call against them. I think it was against Colorado. Uh, put them down five on three late in the period. Jay was mad, wanted to talk to the refs, going off the ice. The refs kind of waved him off at that point. Best way for you to handle an angry coach, especially at the end of the period? Do you want to handle it right away or give him a chance to cool down? Give him a chance to cool down. Um, we're instructed, whether it's a coach or a player, do not stay on the ice at the end of the period or at the end of the game and talk to a coach or a player. Let them go to the dressing room. Uh, let them look at the play. Maybe maybe the officials got the call right. Maybe they got the call wrong. But usually what happens after 17, 18 minutes is they've calmed down. They've had a chance to look at it. And then when we come back out, and it's happened many, many times where we've come back out, because I've been in the dressing room, I go, hey, just so you know, uh, I guarantee you Barry Trotz is going to be standing down by the bench, down by the door when we come on the ice, or John Tortorella or Pat Quinn or whoever. And sure enough, we'll come back on the ice, and there he is. He's had a time to cool down. Uh, we've had a time to maybe talk about the play, and then the conversation goes much better than how it would go if, if you're in the heat of the moment right after the period ends or the game ends. After video review, and this is obviously what it, you know, kind of changed throughout the course of your career, and, and I watched Calgary-Dallas last night. So bonus challenges for goalie interference. The goal stands. So Calgary gets the goal. Dallas has to go shorthanded. And bonus is still, like, really angry. And I think Brindamore earlier today. Like, at that point, as a, at that, at that point actually, I kind of feel for the refs because it's kind of like, dude, you challenged the call and we looked at it. Like, how many... T- <laughs> You know, and, and by the way, Toronto's making the final call on this. So why are you yelling at me? Exactly. I, I know. I know. Like I, I saw Brindamore today, and I saw Bonus last night. Um, and 
you know, goalie interference. We had we had one last night that I I uh, was listening to Don Koharski on TNT, and I I agreed with Koho. It was in the national game, and and goalie interference is such a tough. It's not. It's because it's not black and white like most rules. Like there's a lot of judgment in there, and I really would not want to be Chris King and, and Kay Whitmore and Coley in that room having to make that decision because they are the judge and jury. They get our input and they look at it, but it's a tough call. And after, you know, the coach, you know, gets the call and he's upset like that, you just got to try to, you need to try to calm him down and say, hey, listen, this is done. Like, the decision's been made. Now you got to get back to coaching your team. You can't worry about that. Kind of like where, where when St. Louis won the uh, – the year they won the Stanley Cup, and uh, they lost the game in overtime, and I was a standby ref in St. Louis. And when the San Jose player, Timo Meyer hand-passed the puck to his teammate, and they put it in the net. I don't know if you remember that, Rod. Yep. And and St. Louis, that was an overtime. That was the game-winning goal. And Craig Berube after the game goes, "I don't even want to talk about it. We're we're going to San Jose for Game Six. Like, you know, that's what good coaches do. They 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 don't, you know, belabor the point and continue to harp on a uh, a situation that may affect the game." Tim, I always appreciate your time, and I always learn something uh when we talk and i and as as you and i talked last time i i wish we heard more from officials i I, you know i know you explained why they don't do post-game interviews i still kind of wish sometimes we heard from the current guys even in season if not after games but it's it's very valuable at least i think what you've told me about some of your experiences and some of the things you see going on during the playoffs you know and you know what tim i'm going to give you a heads up if the oilers keep going here you know i'm going to bug you again (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I, I'd love you. To, I'd love for you to. You know, I, uh, I, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like when I tweeted out that Evander Kane was coming to Edmonton, and and Evander and I became friends years ago, and and um, you know, I've I've had a soft spot for him over the years, and and Kenny Holland. I was I was lucky enough. I played Oakland Hills in Michigan with him and Steve Eiserman and and Darren Pang this summer, and Kenny Holland's one of the nicest men you'd ever meet. And I'm, you know, I'm, and, but I, you know, I, I love Todd McClellan at LA too, but, you know, LA, Edmonton's got a good team. You know, they've scored 17 goals in the series to LA's five. And, you know, if they get the goaltending, this is a team that can make a, you know, they can do some damage, you know. So I'm excited to watch tonight's game. And, and to the Edmonton listeners out there, I loved, I loved working in Edmonton. It was one of my favorite places to, to work. And uh, I hope nothing but the best for, for their team. Tim, thanks for doing this. Uh, glad you had a great day with your family at the game and enjoy all the action tonight. I hope we can talk soon. Sounds good, Reed. Thanks a lot for having me. Enjoy the game. Former NHL referee Tim Peel checking in on the City Ford Faceoff Show.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.